Hello, and welcome to Bardcast, the Shakespeare podcast. I'm Carson. And I'm Jeff. And today's episode is about Ben Jonson. One of Shakespeare's contemporaries. Yeah. He's sometimes described as one of Shakespeare's rivals, but I think that we'll put that to rest by the end of the episode. So, Ben Jonson, quick summary. He was an important guy in Shakespeare's time as a literary figure. He knew Shakespeare personally, and his publication of a book of his plays influenced the publication of Shakespeare's first folio. He wrote more stuff that was preserved than Shakespeare, Mm -hmm. so really it's kind of unfair to give him just one episode. No, it's not. This is a Shakespeare podcast, not a Ben Jonson podcast. That's true. Just Shakespeare wrote good plays. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. To be fair, Shakespeare has better plays, and anyone that wants to know more about Ben Jonson, don't expect that this is everything there is to know about him. Or check out our uh, Jonson cast. (laughs) Uh, on alternate Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, we update that much more frequently. One thing for anyone looking him up, early on in his life, Ben Johnson decided to leave the H out of the name Johnson, presumably so that historians could look him up and miss him if they didn't know how to spell his name. Mm-hmm. But make it much easier if they did. Yeah, if you do know how to spell his name, he's really easy to find on stuff, because he's basically the only person with J-O-N-S-O-N for a name. Let's just deal with a second for the problem of historical biography. Like, you're trying to tell someone's story from historical documents. We've talked about this and we're talking about Shakespeare, too. Yeah. Ben Jonson comes out better than Shakespeare does in terms of documents. Mm -hmm. He preserved a lot more of his stuff, and he was in charge of preserving his own materials. But even so, imagine that like everything that you did or wrote, there was a small chance of it actually being preserved and saved. There would be a good chance that the ones that were saved is not representative of who you are. Mm -hmm. And we end up with very vague documents or kind of uh, nonspecific documents being given a very important role simply because they're the only things left. And this is true for all of the people mm-hmm. of Shakespeare's time. And it's like, well, it's why uh, we try and judge people by the plays they have, because we, we try to assume that the play represents who the author was. Right. We know for Shakespeare, this is really tricky to do, because he writes all these contradicting mm-hmm. pieces of data and his stuff. But Ben Jonson is actually kind of self-revelatory in his plays, which we'll get to in a little bit. But like we said, Ben Jonson chose to publish his own works, and carefully edited them in advance so we know that he got to choose what was remaining of his So what we have of his stuff is probably the right version, as it were. Oh, that's also true. Uh, His plays are as good as he could make them. They're not uh, Shakespeare's however they could find them and put them together. Cobbled together from a couple quartos in the folio. Yeah, after Shakespeare died, they try to take what they have and turn it into a folio, but they don't know what Shakespeare wanted. He was long dead. Mm -hmm. Okay. When it comes to Ben Jonson... It's hard to make out who he is as a person because he's got kind of contradicting things in his life. In his writing, he's uh, kind of uh, technical, high-minded, like people that speak wrong are bad people and people that speak correctly are good people. You could say he was arrogant. Exactly. And he pursued the court life. He was a court favorite for a long time. He picked on Shakespeare, among others, for saying things that aren't technically true. Like, he was a big belief in technicalities, and yet, in his actual events of his life, he had a much different feel. He was in a war that England fought, where he actually killed a man and stole his armor as a trophy. Mm -hmm. And he got into a duel with another poet and killed him. So, Ben Jonson killed at least two people. Shakespeare killed none, probably, so that's another reason Ben Jonson is cooler. (laughs) I thought you liked Shakespeare more. I do. Oh, okay. But Ben Jonson is cooler? Uh, in this one instance. I see. When it comes to murderous playwrights. 
<laughs> like Shakespeare only killed Christopher Marlowe that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> Did Christopher Marlowe kill anyone, or was he just murdered in a bar fight? Uh, I think he was just murdered in a bar fight, but he might have killed someone and not gotten caught for it. That's true. <laughs> That's a bit of a tangent. Yes. The thing that a lot of people don't realize about old-timey duels is that for most of human history, duels were illegal. Mm-hmm. And it was only the honor code that demanded that you do a duel. So Ben Johnson getting into a duel and killing someone was simply murder. Yes. The fact that it was a duel was not an excuse. So Ben Johnson was actually on trial, and uh, according to a person at the time, said that he was about to be hanged. Like, if it, if something had gone the other way, he would have been hanged. But he had a trick that they had in the English courts at this time. Essentially, the idea is they set up a system where if you're a member of the clergy, you don't have to have the same laws as other people. So if you prove that you're a member of a clergy, you get to go to the church version of a trial, and they have lighter punishments. So how do you prove that you're a member of the clergy? By reading the Bible. Naturally. You look at the Latin Bible, and you translate it into English. And then you get to get out of jail and not die. So Ben Johnson is a college-educated man. He's not a priest, but he says, I'm a priest for the purposes of this trial. And they show him a Bible, and he translates it without much difficulty, I'd imagine, and gets sent to the ecclesiastical court where they simply brand his thumb with a letter T, which is much better than being hanged. There is actually some debate as to whether or not he was a college-educated man, though. Uh, is there? Yes, he, uh, like, uh, some people place him at University of Cambridge, but he himself has denied that. At this time, there was a new thing coming around, which is a professional writer. Until the time of Shakespeare and Ben Jonson, the people that would write plays and poems were just people that had other jobs. They'd be a priest or a noble or a anyone, I guess. Anyone that could read and write could be a storyteller, but there was no one that would write as a job. Mm-hmm. And Ben Johnson isn't the only person to do it this time, but he was this first generation of professional writers. And he did a variety of writing jobs. He would write mottos for corporations, like if you were a candle maker or something, yeah, he would give you a witty poem. Like an advertising jingle today. Exactly, exactly. He did write a lot of plays, but he seemed to think that he was better than plays even though that's most of his legacy. That we have today, at least. Yeah, he seemed to think that uh, he was better than plays, and that plays were sort of a way to get money and to get ahead in life. And he did. He did very well. He became a professional writer for James I and later Charles I. So he had a pretty good career. I believe he had an uh, endowment of £100 a year. Yeah, that's quite a lot back then. That is, Yeah, he was set, so long as he had that. So, as someone who's trying to be a court favorite, someone who works for the king directly, he had to be a big suck-up. <laughs> like, yeah. Shakespeare we know is a suck-up. He has that bit in Macbeth where he says, all these illustrious kings lead directly to James I, who is so great, and stuff like that. So, everyone was a suck-up, but Ben Johnson was unusually... Sucky-uppy? Exactly. That's why he was so successful. He didn't do as well under Charles I, because Charles I was kind of a austere man who didn't really like plays and entertainments. But Ben Johnson did a fine career working for the court and writing shorter plays called Masks. And he had a lot of those as well. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about Ben Johnson's writing, like what he actually produced, what he's famous for. His most famous plays today are probably Volpone and The Alchemist. Yep. And those are both basically dark comedies. Right. About really greedy people who who have various other vices who uh, end up... They're the main characters, and then in the end, they, uh, don't, they, they don't die tragically, but they're just brought low by their 
vices. But they're comedic in content. Right. Right. He's actually seen by his contemporaries and by some people, the people today that bother to read him, as quite funny, just not as uh, inventive. The thing with his plays that is pretty universally agreed upon is that he does things very correctly, very accurately, as as the Greeks and Romans would do it. Like, he follows the rules very perfect, but I think that's also seen as one of his big flaws. He's just too... Uh... Stuck in his ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, even if something would be a better turn of phrase, he can't use it because it's not grammatical. He specifically makes fun of Shakespeare for making a non-grammatical statement, which I think is actually a pretty good line, for example. So that's... I think that's generally seen as what limits him compared to Shakespeare. He just doesn't have that creativity, that brilliance in his work. He's very intelligent and very condescending, which are both virtues, but uh, he just doesn't have that uniqueness that Shakespeare has. If it weren't for Shakespeare, he would have been the writer of his age. Like, there was no one to compare with him in terms of fame and success other than Shakespeare. Instead, Shakespeare came in and he's like, oh one of Shakespeare's contemporaries. Exactly. Like, today, he's known as Shakespeare's rival. And that's it. And I don't even think that's true. Okay, so uh, a famous poem that I think is really quite good is called To Celia. It's also known as Drink to Me Only With Thine Eyes, which is the first line of the poem. It's very well written. I'll spare you guys the uh, recitation of it. But Thank I will you. put it on the old blog at bardcast.blogspot.com. You can check out the poem. Mm-hmm. and other links that we have. So, like we said earlier, there is a lot of masks in his written works. This is basically a play, but higher class, because it's more of a half-hour, 45-minute entertainment. And it's not, like, uh, out there in the theater. It's performed before the king or some lord or something. Yep. So he preserved a lot of these in his collected works, which we'll get to in a little bit. He also wrote a lot of little poems, which he called epigrams, and these are anywhere from four to 20 lines, generally. And they're kind of little smart little sayings that rhyme. And actually, some of them are quite good. Oh? Uh, yeah. Some of them are quite strange. There's one in the works that basically says, To my anonymous friend. And it basically says, You wished your name did not be listed in this poem. So I didn't. But there's nothing else in the poem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sign that says, Danger, sign. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any function by itself. Well, I mean, at least two people got a good laugh out of that, I bet. I suppose. That's a bit of an exaggeration. I think it says something in there. The most important thing that he did in terms of our podcast is publishing his works, uh, Ben Johnson's collected works. Uh, I believe the title is The Works of Ben Johnson. It's They were very clever back then. Yep. But he wasn't the only clever one. Someone that lived alongside Ben Johnson pointed out that by calling his plays works, he must have confused the difference between work and play. Pretty good joke. Ben Johnson had a unique status in terms of publishing his own stuff even before this. He actually published his own plays under his own name. Until him, if you wrote a play, you sold it to an acting company, and then they had the right to, to sell it again or to publish it, which is generally what they did once they had played it. Like, they pl- put it on for a while, people get sick of it, and then they publish it to make some extra money. But somehow, we don't know, like, the legal maneuverings, Ben Johnson took a play, sold it to a company, and then later published it as his own. It's hard to tell how law worked back then. Right. Probably through bribery. And he very easily could have bought it back or said, I'll give you a share of the profits or something. It's impossible to know. What he really does in all of his works that's interesting and kind of, uh, like, arrogant and 
I think it puts people off, is he actually like tells you what you should think about his works and his publications. Like he says, this play is about this. You might think it's about this, but you're wrong. And in his historical works, he actually cites his sources. So very different from Shakespeare there. Exactly. Shakespeare just makes stuff up. He doesn't care about history. Ben Jonson, it's a very historical play when he does a history play. Like he says, this is from Tacitus, line 37, you know. He gets it precisely accurate and that's what he that's his priority he will have no beaches in bohemia thank you exactly that is one of the things that he criticized shakespeare for okay so his 1616 folio was published the exact year that shakespeare died probably because the folio killed shakespeare it was so heavy he they dropped it on him exactly so like jeff said it is very heavy it's a huge thing it has nine full plays over a hundred of those epigrams, those short poems. And then a bunch of those masks. Yeah, we'll provide a link to... Uh, there's a source that has all of the stuff that Ben Johnson wrote that's very convenient. Uh, I would check out some of the epigrams. They're actually kind of neat. If it's your thing. <laughs> but the truly important thing about the works of Benjamin Johnson as a book is that no one before had ever published theater production as a book. No one had ever said, theater is literature. Now, this is designed to be read and enjoyed as a purely literary work. If it weren't for this, we probably wouldn't have Shakespeare's Folio, mm-hmm. because there just simply wasn't the mind space to publish a book of plays, and we would have been deprived of, I think we said this in the Folio episode, of a third of his works? I think so, yeah. We're in the Folio, so in a way, Ben Jonson did a huge favor for Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And this published works also means that Johnson and Shakespeare account for a huge proportion of the plays that survived to our time. Because most plays, they got published in very poor quality. And so we might have, like, fragments of a couple of them, or one of someone's plays. Right, or we don't have them at all. Right. Like, a lot of theater people, we've got very few or none of their plays, and we only know them by the fact that someone wrote about them at the time and said that this guy wrote this play. We have simply no idea what it's about. There are a couple Johnson plays that we don't have, lost plays like uh, Shakespeare plays, including Richard Crookback, which was a Richard III play. So I guess Shakespeare's must have been better. Yep. Well, it is. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Richard you... III is a good play. Yeah, it's a pretty safe bet considering that Ben Johnson specifically chose not to publish his play because he, you know, got to be the editor. A lot of the talk about Ben Johnson in relation to Shakespeare is their rivalry. Oh, you can't see, I just did air quotes. Sorry. <laughs> so we do know that they knew each other. Yeah, personally. I mean, Ben Johnson, well, we don't have any Shakespeare talking about Ben Johnson. We do have a fair amount of Ben Johnson talking about Shakespeare. Right. He does specifically indicate that he knew him as a man. Mm-hmm. And also, Ben Johnson wrote a play that he sold to Shakespeare's company that Shakespeare would have performed in. So they were relatively close. It's hard to say how close. I mean, it, it, there aren't a huge amount of playwrights that are actually popular at the time, mm-hmm. so they would they would have been, like, certainly in the same circles. Yeah, there's a thought, because they're kind of associated with each other in a lot of stuff, that there was sort of a society of playwrights, that, you know, they sort of, if they didn't have a convention... But they sort of hung out with each other because, you know, they know the same stuff. It's the same reason that people associate for the the same habits as anyone else does. Presumably, Shakespeare knew maybe Christopher Marlowe because Christopher Marlowe died at about the time Shakespeare was starting up. But any other writer of the time, he probably knew in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So there's a very long quote from Ben Johnson about Shakespeare. I'll uh, not read the whole thing. 
but it's pretty important, so I'll summarize a part of it. Uh, Ben Johnson says Shakespeare's friends would compliment Shakespeare by saying that when he wrote a play, for example, that he never scratched out a line, that he never made a mistake when he was writing things down. And Ben Johnson says, I wish that he had scratched out a thousand lines. So he's saying, they say he never made a mistake. I say that he made a lot of mistakes and just never erased them. Mm -hmm. And this is seen as one of his rivalrous comments. So then he goes on to say, I did not mean that as malevolent speech. I actually love the man and do honor his memory on this side idolatry as much as any. And goes on to say, he was honest, open and free nature, had an excellent fantasy like imagination, brave notions and gentle expressions wherein he flowed that with that facility that sometimes it was necessary he should be stopped. So he's simply saying he's got such a rich imagination that sometimes he went too far. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's really very rivalrous. No. When your comment says that I loved him this side of idolatry. Though that could also be just a, you know, he's dead, so I'm going to say nice true. things about him. That's true, but it's it's hard to say that he disliked him. Right. Just given exactly this. Ask. And this is also the same quote where he says that he takes Shakespeare to task for saying, Caesar did never wrong, but with just cause, which is kind of a logical error, mm-hmm. because you can't do wrong for just cause. They're contradictory. Interestingly... The, the, there's no copy of it that actually says that. There's a thought that the people who were editing Shakespeare were embarrassed by Ben Johnson and edited out that line and wrote it in differently. And then Ben Johnson finishes up that quote by saying, there was ever more in him to be praised than to be pardoned. Exactly. I mean, that sums it up, really. One of his rivalrous quotes is saying that Shakespeare wanted art, that is, he lacked art. Mm-hmm. And in that same quote, he points out that Shakespeare had Bohemia having a beach, uh, a shore, rather. Yeah. And he points out that Bohemia didn't have a shore within 100 miles of it. Basically doing the same petty stuff that we did. (laughs) And this wanting art thing, I think, is seen as a strong criticism, but I think it could have meant simply that he didn't care about the Greek and Roman style like Ben Jonson did. Right, he's going to do his own thing. And by his own thing, he's going to steal something from someone else and remake it into something that's his own thing. Right, although to be fair, everyone stole from everyone else at yeah. the time. To Ben Johnson, being correct is the virtue. You know, mm-hmm. doing things the way you're supposed to is the virtue. So saying that you want art could just mean that you're doing things wrong, in my opinion. doesn't mean that he's not any good. Right. And he, and he even also was quoted for say, as saying, Shakespeare was not for an age, but for all time. That's uh, in his famous quote from the Shakespeare's Folio, where he cr- provided one of the few quotes at the beginning of the book, in which he doesn't only describe him as for all time, he just describes him as the sweet swan of Avon, and says that he is for all England at all time, says that he would not put him down to any of his contemporaries, saying that he would compare him only to the uh, masters of Greek and Roman theater. Mm. You know, a lot of very lavish stuff that he might not have said while Shakespeare was still alive. Sure, but it's very complimentary. Yeah. It it makes the idea of a rivalry seem a little silly, especially since there's no evidence that Shakespeare had any problem with Ben Jonson. (laughs) Yeah, I believe he makes a reference to Ben Jonson less than five times, and never in such a way that you would take it as an insult. I think that the most you can say is that they had a professional rivalry, in the sense of, they're both playwrights at and the same time. Ben Johnson had sort of a standard, and he yeah. basically said, Shakespeare, you don't follow my standard. And to be honest, most of Johnson's best stuff came out after Shakespeare died. Shakespeare had a pretty short career. He only lasted 20 years 
for his entire writing span, except for maybe a couple years more than 20 years. Ben Jonson lasted for about 40 years of his professional career, uh, starting about the same time as Shakespeare and then just continuing to go on. Mm -hmm mostly writing court stuff for his last couple decades, but still writing plays throughout. So he really has a longer legacy, which is why he's got so much more written stuff all over the place. Although Johnson has much more written stuff... He's totally, totally overshadowed by Shakespeare. Yeah, he's just not even really even seen as a competitor in any meaningful sense. His plays aren't seen as to be as good. No, I mean, they, they are good plays, but again, they're, they're not the same... As Shakespeare. They don't have the timeless quality. Exactly. Even Johnson pointed out that Shakespeare has a timeless quality. People will compliment his plays in sort of a, well, yes, they are good, but... And it's more of a good but than anything else. There is a brief period of time when people said that Ben Johnson was the, the writer of his age. But it was pretty mm -hmm. soon after he died, and then no one has said that. Yeah, and I mean... There are still some Johnson plays that are performed today, but not nearly as many as Shakespeare, not nearly as often as Shakespeare. Yeah, we've had a lot of opportunities to go to Shakespeare plays, and I don't know that we've had any opportunities to go to a Johnson play locally. Though, let's be honest, we haven't been looking either. That's true. I think I would have noticed it, though. Maybe. He's just a completely different category of writer. His plays really haven't inspired any copycats. Uh, well, th some of them probably have that we just don't pay attention to or care about. Right. Well, just to summarize, his influence is so much less exactly, than yeah, Shakespeare. Like, he wrote some pretty good plays, but we can select better plays. Mm -hmm. Like, we've got all of time to pick from, so maybe we just shouldn't pick his as something to do from. And probably his most important legacy is, one, commenting on Shakespeare, and two, providing the space economically for Shakespeare's first folio to come out. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing to beat Ben Johnson. <laughs> because he was so close mm -hmm. to being the writer. Like, if Shakespeare weren't around, yeah, I mean... The king of writers of the time. Mm -hmm. Like, there would have been no one comparable to him for decades in any direction. Like, just a century dominated by Ben Johnson. But now he's... A terrible century. <laughs> but now no one's even heard of him. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and that's about all we have to say about Ben Johnson. Yeah, probably too much time spent Poor on him, Or really. Ben Johnson. Yeah. I, I feel like we're cheating him. I mean, he's got more stuff than Shakespeare does. This is a Shakespeare podcast. We don't care about Ben Johnson. Yep, I guess we gotta Not leave... Not any more than we care about Christopher Marlowe. I guess we gotta leave him behind. So, our next episode is what you've asked for. You voted for it, so you get it. It's Hamlet, and this one's gonna be Hamlet Part 1. We know Hamlet we... is long, and there is a lot to talk about. Yeah, we know we can't do it as one episode. That would be ridiculous. I think we might do an episode that's just a summary of what we're going to do about Hamlet. So it made two or three parts, because we got to talk about the plot, Yeah, we got to talk about interpretations of it, mm -hmm. and we got to talk about everything else about it. Yeah, I honestly don't know how we're going to do it in whole, but I, I think our next one is going to be, what is Hamlet? Like, mm -hmm. from start to finish, how it came out, what it's about, how it works... But we're not going to do any scene-by-scene -scene analysis next time. You'll understand what Hamlet, the idea is. Yeah. And what the play is about. Okay. On the donation front, someone had asked us how they could do donations, so we set up a PayPal account. We did get some money, and thank you very much to those that did donate. We don't know if you wanted to remain anonymous or not, so we'll keep you anonymous for now. Right. There was no comment or anything 
attached any of the donations. So please let us know if you want us to say anything or if you want to do this new option that we're uh, setting up. Basically, if you want to donate to the podcast, you can use that donation as a vote for what the next episode will be about. So if you want to give $2 and say the next episode should be about your favorite play, which is... Hopefully Hamlet, because that's what we're doing next, but... Well, naturally, we're going to do Hamlet next, but if you wanted to vote for the one after that, obviously. Yeah. You could vote for... What's a good one? I don't know. Henry VIII. If you wanted Henry VIII to be the next one... Richard III... Yeah. Oh, Richard III's a good one. I'm surprised we haven't done that yet. Oh, it's because we, we've we've been doing the plays in order. That's why. If you have to do Henry VI Part Three before Henry VI Part One... Yeah, that would be a little silly, but it's up to you guys. I just feel yeah. like if you guys want to donate something, you guys should have some sort of return for that. Aside from this free podcast we're offering you. Right. I mean... We are providing a service, and if you guys feel it's worth something, I mean, if you've got some spare cash, we'd appreciate it. And if you want to do that, you can go to bardcast.blogspot.com. Or you can just buy stuff through Amazon if you want to. Right. There you can shop at our store, which is just a link to Amazon, but that does give us a percentage of the returns. If you go to Amazon through our site, then buy anything, it doesn't matter if it's Shakespeare, we do get a small percent. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll also have links to stuff related to Ben Johnson. We'll have quotes like that poem that I mentioned earlier, like that long quote he had about Shakespeare. People that have been listening to the podcast will know that the website hosts a number of polls. I try to update the poll every time we do another episode. Our most recent poll was about your favorite tragedy because we had done an episode about our favorite tragedy. And we had a very encouraging number of votes, over 100 votes. And I won. In the episode, I said that King Lear was the best tragedy. And as we see here, 43 people voted for Lear, with the next choice being Jeff's Hamlet, coming in with less than 30. So I had a pretty decisive victory there. Thank you, people on the internet. Our next voting is about your favorite Hamlet. I'm writing these in who the actors or the directors of the plays. So if you have any particular Hamlet that you enjoy, please answer the poll question or just leave a comment on the post, and we'll talk about that next time. If you want to go to iTunes and give us good uh, rating, that is apparently how they rank. If someone does a search for Shakespeare, the number of good ratings that we get determines the order that it shows up in. So good reviews there would be appreciated. And Ivan Carson. And I'm still Jeff. And thank you for listening. Yeah, check us out at johnsoncast at johnson.net. <laughs> Johnsoncast. That's that's what we'll do after this. Right. Okay, bye. Wildcast. Oh, yeah, Wildcast. we got to do that. Wildcast. Hey, you edited out the U of my inferior. That's because it's not spelled that way in English either. It's the British spelling. No, it's not. <laughs>